Made in Monrovia, bringing you stories of the people who helped create the magic in our city. Hey, this is Barrett from Made in Monrovia podcast. In this episode, I sit down with one of the owners of Sticks Board Shop, which is located here in Monrovia, California, George Cody. We talk skateboarding, to outhouse skate shop in Covina, California, where we both grew up, which was a staple for us. We talk about music, and we talk about where Sticks is today. We thank you for joining us and hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to the studio. It's fun to have you here, just to be honest with you. It's really, to get you here is a, a privilege. So. It's good to be here. George, um, pronounce your last name. Corey. Uh, George is the owner of Sticks Board Shop. I have a partner, Bill Farber. We actually purchased it from a guy named Jared DiVendetto back in 2003. Oh. Yeah. So Jared was the original founder of Sticks, okay, and um, he he had it from 1997 till 2003. So he ran into a few things that happened that changed his life a little bit, and he asked. Um, and I've been going in there previous. Okay. Like we would um, we would hit him up like for product for some of our shows. We'd promote his band. We'd put him on our flyers. So I was frequently there. Jer- this is Jared you're talking about. This he, is Jared. He had a band. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And one day he asked me if I wanted to buy the shop, and I said, you know, sure, without knowing what was going on in his life. Yeah. And um, here we are. Wow. 15, 16 years later. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So you and I know each other from farther back than that. Right. Maybe not too far. Well, not too far back from 2003, but like 1998, I would say, was about the time that I actually think I first time. It feels far. I feel like we're getting old. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We've grown a little bit <laughs> but we met in Covina so where where are you actually really originally from let's I want to kind of go back a little bit farther than just sticks even would be good to we can go there now okay well, so not, you, you end up in Monrovia somehow right because that's where you are now but where does it start um I have there's six kids in my family I'm the youngest out of six okay um w- my parents were flip-flopping for whatever reason before I was born from Jordan the Middle East mm-hmm. to New York so there was frequent back and forths between New York and uh, and Jordan. Um, four of my siblings were born in New York, and two of the siblings were born in Jordan. Okay. Um, me and my brother John were born in Jordan. Oh. Yeah. Then we spent about six or seven years in New York after I was born. Two weeks after I was born, we moved back to New York. <clears throat> and then we spent seven years there. And then from there, we went to Covina. My dad found a job <coughs> at Keiko Pacific. I'm sorry. At Keiko Pacific, uh, like a machinist. He's a machinist. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Covina, man. So that's where we met. We were in kind of a a scene. Uh, music. Music. Backyards. Yeah, backyards and, and, and bars. Bars. Yeah. Lots and of bars. Some good times. Yeah, man. It was, wh- where does your love, and do you even have, I, I, I can imagine you have a love for skateboarding. There's there's a There's got to be a love for just that kind of culture. Where does that start? Like, what what age are you where you're like, I, I love this or music, because it all kind of that, the music scene, the skateboarding culture, that whole kind of thing is it's a movement of its own, right? So when you, where does that start for you? How old is George when he's like, oh, like I really resonate with this? Um, I would say around twelve or thirteen. I think it started with music. It started with like punk rock, okay. and uh, a lot of those dudes were like skating and. There's a few a few dudes skating in Covina, 
back in those days that I looked up to. But I would say um, <clears throat> as I grew older, from like as I as I grew up, I started seeing more like skateboarding um, around 15 or 16, like with the Glendora guys, some of the Covina guys. Mm -hmm. Even prior to that, I used to go to the Outhouse. I don't know if anyone remembers the oh, Outhouse, yeah, yeah. but uh, in Covina, yeah, yeah, that place is frightening. <laughs> for me as a kid <laughs> yeah yeah i was yeah it scared me too yeah and i worked there i worked at down actually downstairs in the you basement did? with anthony oh, yeah that's the action that's well, there was a lot of action so yeah. it was like yeah guys would, and it was it was like it was like a hub of things that was happening in that kind of scene for for a while like th the best and the worst of the worst would come into <laughs> that place and it was yeah it was I, it was a lot for you know, i was Fourteen. How old are you now? I'm 44 now. Okay. So we're, ta so <laughs> we're, we're talking both, 30. We're there. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking 30 years ago. So we're talking about something where stuff would happen. Right. It was frightening. Like yeah. you say that you say the hub. Like nowadays, when you say the hub, you're like, oh, it's exciting. It's this. It's that. There was nothing really exciting about the outhouse. It was scary yeah. almost walking yeah. in there. You it, when you talk about lifestyle and culture, it's like that was the epitome of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, everything's washed down a little bit nowadays. So, um, yeah, I would say it was. I would say it was more like scary. scary. It was more exciting to to walk in there because you weren't sure what you were gonna get. Yeah. Well, you were. You were. Yeah. You were taking a risk. You were taking a, sense, a risk. Physical. I mean, you could. I mean, what, what stuff were they went down. Say? <laughs> yeah. Stuff like, went that down. That was my question. Always. Yeah, like, like, I didn't know what they. Gonna, what do they? What do they think about me? What are they gonna feel? Yeah. Today. Today. Is, yeah. Every day was different. Every day was different. For sure. Yep. But where do you? Um, Cause then you got into, you were into music for a while there too. I mean, you were like really, like promoting and yeah. So my buddy who I grew up with, Greg, um, introduced me to Seamus, mm -hmm. um, who is who was the drummer for a band called Rent a Friend. Right. Um, so we started all connecting and hanging out. Me and Seamus started hanging out as friends. Then um, he kind of, you know, he gave me a CD or something, and I think it was CDs back then, or tapes or something. So I started listening to like their early recordings, their early re garage recordings, mm -hmm. and I was just down. I was down from day one. Yeah. So Seamus saw something in me that um, maybe I didn't really, you know, see in myself, which was like that I would be a good manager. Yeah. So I started going to um, their backyard parties, and like that's when things really started developing between you know our relationship, like with my mine with Bill, my current partner with Sticks and. Matt and Nicole and Chris Paris, who I still talk to mm -hmm. on occasion. He's in he's in uh, Australia now. Yeah, from there we uh, started doing backyard parties. We started back then. We used to actually buy people's backyards. So depending on um, you'd rent like you'd rent. <clears throat> we'd actually yeah rent, rent the backyards. Mm -hmm. So it was. It, I don't know if you remember this, but it was cool to have like a cool party at your at your backyard. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we went. We were there. <clears throat> So we had the number one, you know, entertainment thing, which was Rent a Friend. If Rent a Friend was playing in your backyard, it was I was a fan. It was it was similar. It really for me it was a similar like similar to like Blink. It really had that kind of like old Blink, like that punk, right? But it was good. They were good. They were good. They enjoyed and they got the crowd. It was like the crowd, crowd going. Was going. That was like great at doing that. Yeah. Um, Bill was as the well. The artists were. They were all very talented musicians. Right. Really. They were good. They're good. Oh, I miss those days. Yeah. Yeah. But you were jamming, dude, because I remember even seeing you at different um, venues when you started, guys, kind of think you guys transitioned out of kind of the backyard. Yeah, we just felt like it was a natural transition. Right, and yeah. then you went into kind of the, um, 
the bar scene kind of I was I just remember seeing you like hustling dude I was like who is that dude <laughs> like that dude is like, <laughs> like the band is there and they would always say oh thanks to George and they would like shout, shout outs and stuff and I'd be like he, this dude was running around like with his head cut off just making it happen dude like I was like so there was always this kind of go getting you in a sense that I saw it was like this like real I could see why they would want to have you on board yeah, I mean it went both ways like I saw the energy that they were you yeah. know they were putting out an energy of like they wanted something a few guys wanted like wanted to go mm -hmm. to the top and I fed off that energy and, sure you know it's all about that it's all about like it's the energy if, if I the, when the band broke up it was because there was like lack of energy there was people who were complaining mm. about this or that but ultimately when I f like when I felt like someone wanted something it motivated me to go get what they wanted yeah you know and we got you know we got up there we played with like Cypress Hill and yeah we had a couple of ears like listening in on us but ultimately yeah it, you know, yeah only the creme de la creme make it to the top it's hard, so. yeah it's not an easy industry right no no for sure <clears throat> so you get you're you kind of transition away from that you now you know Bill Mm -hmm. You and Bill are obviously, obviously connected. you're connected tight. Tight after the band broke up, Bill yeah. and I continued. So, and what? So, what point do you say? So, Jared says to you, "Where are you living at this point? Are you still in Covina at this point? Like, where do you? Bill when do you land I, in Monrovia?" Bill and I are living together in Azusa, okay. um, right by like I think we were renting a condo at um, the Azusa Greens. Like our is up, up on Sierra Madre or something. Todd, yeah, Todd, yeah. and I'm not sure what the cross street is. Yeah. I think it's a little bit beyond Sierra Madre, um, right? There's another street. There's Todd, not another street above Sierra Madre, but yeah, yeah. If you if you go up Todd, you make a right, it turns into Sierra and Madre, and then you make a left. Yeah, on one of those. I know streets. what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were right there. Okay. And um, what's the year? Do you remember? 2002. I'm trying to give some. I want to give some like context to like how you end up here. You know, so 2002, you and Bill are there. Jared says to you in 2003. He says, he basically says, like, I want to give up the shop, but I don't want to give it up to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, How long has the shop been around? 1997. So 97 to 2003. Okay. You might have said Right. So he's saying, I'll give the shop. I want to offer it to you. Yeah. And he said, you know, the only thing I ask, like, he was just asking, not demanding that we don't change the name because <clears throat> we had gone through, like, different name change possibilities. And, um, I, I would say like a little bit of ego played on because like the original name of the shop was Sticks Board Shop, mm -hmm. but there was um, ego must have played a part in me wanting to change the name um, mm. because ultimately I should I, I felt like if we would have kept it at Sticks Board Shop S T Y X I would have maintained the tradition that Jared was trying to do, but also at the time I wanted to say hey we're we're bringing in something, something different mm -hmm. yeah so we kept it with the sticks we changed the Y to an I. Um, and that's that's where we're at. So how do you how do you and Bill buy this? I mean, what is the what is the how do you you guys just how do you go to Bill and you're like, hey, bro, like I said, I, I, I don't want to do this like, with anybody else. I'll do this with you. Yeah, Bill was a, yeah. a homie. We really yeah, yeah. worked well together, and um, financially, I knew that we could do it together. Um, I could have done it by myself, but <clears throat> I didn't want to do it by myself. I wanted yeah. to do like I wanted to have a partnership. You know, you do this and I do this. Right. Come together. I know what I'm good at. I know what you're good at. That kind of thing, right? Some balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like so we yang. we had that, and so you're with Bill. Why is why Monrovia? Why skateboard shop? What what drew you to that? I was working in Monrovia, and uh, there was only a few shops at the time. At that time, there was like Utility, mm. um, respected shops, Utility, Sticks, Active, um, 
At that time, well, you know what? Active was cool. Active was cool for a long time. I used to go to a lot of their demos. Until they sold. They looked, they, at that time, they didn't even sell. Like, yeah. Shane was still Shane part was, yeah. of it. But they were they were so big that they became like the enemy of course gate shops. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, everyone hated Active, but yeah. um, we were never we never had a problem with Shane. I thought Shane was a, was a cool dude. Like I went one of my first demos Shane threw at San Dimas, um, Active, and Tony Hawk was there, and it was just a big deal. And we were young and you yeah. know, impressionable and all that stuff. But I mean, ultimately, skateboarding. Yeah, because he always had the best. What's that? Like he like he signed like Costin at one point, I think, or something. We everyone was like. It was somebody big. I don't know who it was, but it was like one of his writers was Eric Costin or something. I don't remember that. I remember when he... Who was the biggest? Because it was somebody like that, though. And we were like... I was like, whoa, how did he get that guy? They were getting big names. Like, it felt like they were getting big big, big name writers. I feel like what really, like, elevated them was uh, when um, Travis Barker was wearing... Like, he had a cut-off shirt on, in one of their albums. Okay. Cut-off active shirt. And everyone was like, oh, that's it. They made it. They made it. Yeah, so... I feel like that really did it. I'm not sure really when. I mean, because right now they have Jamie Thomas, but okay, but well, that's big. I mean, it is it is big, but Jamie's, Jamie, you know, yeah. Shane is not part of it. It's like right. some guys who you know put money together and they use businesses. Yeah, here's just the incorporated big corporate thing, now. but yeah, yeah. So it's not about skateboarding anymore. No, not well. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's kind of like what we want. I, I guess like ultimately, Jared wanted us to maintain the tradition of skateboarding with whatever was going on in his life. He knew he couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And Jared's doing well now. Like he's married and he's a beautiful kid and his wife, beautiful wife. And but now just at the time, the timing was just not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. But it it's was, nice that he handed off the torch in a sense. Instead of yeah. closing it down, it was like, hey, I want to, I want this to keep going, and that'd be a hard thing to do too, even to kind of give give up something that you love in a sense, but you wanted to give to the right people. Right. So that's a that's a pretty that says a lot about you in a sense where he said, right. hey man, I want you to be the one to kind of. Right. He wasn't desperate because you could have just shut it he down. He could have just shut it down. <clears throat> you know what I mean? He could have just shut it down, yeah. And he just wanted to know that it was going to go into hands that were going to like take you know, skateboarding in the right direction. And, yeah. Um, I mean, Jared is passionate about skateboarding and snowboarding. And I would say his passion his passion transcends, you know, anything where I was at at the time that me and Bill purchased it. But um, ultimately, I grew to like love the culture of skateboarding more, hmm. more than anything. And, uh, and I mean, daily I strive to maintain that. No matter what we add to the shop, I strive to maintain the culture because I mean, if I mean, culture is everything. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't get involved in anything where you know the the top level is not doesn't care a hundred percent about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, which is skateboarding. Well, you're in there, and that's the thing. Anybody who's in Monrovia goes into sticks and bringing their kids in there, and they're doing things. You're there. You're yeah. there, physically. Three, physically there. there. Yeah, three days a week. Right. And not only that, one of the things, because I, I, I do want to. There's some stories I that you could probably tell, but um, just recently I was in there. And we were, I was trying to get you in here, but I was in there, kind of hanging out and stuff. And I don't hang out at skateboard shops as much anymore, but as I've gotten older, you know, it's one yeah. of those things. But um, a key thing that this is this stuck out for me is that a kid came in, and, and this happens probably with you all the time. Uh, you're short on money. You're like, hey, what do you got? And you, you, the, the, but the way you talked to him was like the kid knew uh, you cared. It wasn't a way like there was no shame and no pity. It was like let's work, th- let's work this out. What do you got? And it's not even. He was like, 
All right, man. He was a kid, he was actually from New York, which was interesting. Remember the kid? I don't you probably don't remember, but he was from New York and he came in and he was buying some stuff. And you're like, okay, you made it. You you split the difference with him and it worked out. And you said something like that happens a lot here. I and I want I want the kids to know that this is a place they can come. And I think that says a lot about where you guys are at now as as a business that. It is a it, it, even what society has told the culture, or, or what society says about that culture in a sense, it could be dangerous, unsafe. There is a, they're there. There's a group of kids who who need this this place and need this avenue to go and um, this or this outlet even for, for what's going on in their lives at home and their personal lives and stuff. And this is what skateboarding has done for these guys. Right. And I think that you offer a um, almost like an adulting. Like a like a kind of a, a professional place for them to come, where they're able to like kind of still associate with you know what I mean with like authority in a sense that it's a positive kind of your business owner. I'm still here for you. I'm gonna support you. That that was just a, a moment. And I don't know if it was if I went on too long there, but what what kind of stories? I mean, you, do you have anything that you can that you want to share, or why do you what what part of sticks your experience with customers? Why do you? Why do you do it? Like, what is the... I mean, like, there's not too many things. Like, the older you get, the the more you try to, you know, achieve things. Like, success is a lot of times measured on how much you, you get, which, you know, how much how much more you have in for, your 401k or whatever it is. And I think past however many years, um, whether it was, you know, I take care of my mom now. I'm raising a daughter on mm-hmm. my own and just realizing how like life doesn't really take you in the direction that you think that you're going to go. It, these are all constant reminders that it's not really about mm-hmm. getting to the top of anything. You know, it's like the root of everything is like helping people. And I mean, I'm sure there's a balance there too, but when, when it, when a 15 year old or 16 year old kid or even a 19, 20 or 30 year old guy is short on money, you know, a couple of dollars is not going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, so, you know, my numbers are not going to match up at the end of the day, but who cares? Right. I mean, that that's the way I look. Yeah, at Yeah, no, no, I totally, I totally agree, man. So, how has um, how does Monrovia influence you? Does it does Monrovia influence you? I mean, it's a great, it's a great Monrovia's city. Monrovia's in my blood. Okay, that's like, what I'm, I'm, it's yeah. in my blood. Like when. When, when the city is upset at something that I'm doing, whether it's a sign or something, I get the letter. I don't fume anymore like I used to. I'll call the person. Yeah. And I'll be like, hey, Christine, what's up? Can we work this up? Yeah. What happened? What, what What's going on here? And she'll tell me. And like, and I'll be like, okay, I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a very small city. I mean, you've lived here yeah. for quite some time. So, I love Monrovia. Monrovia is... I can't, I can't leave it. I can't. Yeah. It's very hard to walk away from because it's a great city. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it grow. I've seen new people come in and they're very impressed by, you know, how much it's grown. And I love Monrovia from what it was when it was a baby. Mm. So I don't know. It's just like when it's in your blood, it's in your blood. Yeah. No, I get it. I I loved Covina. That was my. I would. I swore I would never leave. Yeah. And I still love Covina. I, well, I do too, <laughs> but, yeah. but but it's, it kind of carries the same. It's like the husband and wife of something. Like that was like one of my one of my my marriage at one point. Now I'm in another. It's like this thing. I feel like I love Monrovia. Yeah. Just something about it. And um, 
and it's nice to love something like that where you're yeah. you want to and look, you said you want to give back and then and you do you do do that you're you're very involved in the community so tell us i mean you have a skateboarding oh yeah we have a school yeah you're doing things what are yeah. you guys doing what is sticks doing we have a skate school on sundays um to teach the youngins how to skate we do that at monrovia park we shift it around sometimes mm-hmm. um i'm currently trying to i'm part of the plymouth pta mm-hmm. where my daughter goes to school there we're trying to do an enrichment program there where we <clears throat> bring our ramps to the school Wednesdays after school because it's short. It's a short day. And teach the kids how to skate there, too. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we, we try to do what we can for skateboarding. We want to keep it alive. We want to keep the culture alive because um, it is very watered down now. Mm. Um, it's everywhere now. Yeah. And skateboarding means different things to different people. So we try, we're trying to maintain the culture and teach the kids, you know, you know, this is what skateboarding is. You know, it's it's for you. It's not for anyone else. It's not that it's cool. It's that you know, it's right. This is it's yeah. your own thing. So, um, yeah. So we're very involved in the schools and community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> as we wrap it up, man, I really, really, really been fun. I um, I know you got to get because you got. The single dad, you're like doing it, man. You get someone's, someone's got to make someone's got to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's got to make the cereal. <laughs> so, um, but um, how can we find you? Obviously, we know you're at you're you're you have a board shop. Tell us where you're located. Tell we're us at, we're at 421 South Myrtle Avenue. Um, we've been there for about 15 years. Um, our website's www.sticksrideshop.com. S T I X rideshop.com, and we're on Instagram, which we're pretty active with, which is in at Sticks Ride Shop so you can find us there too I think we got some Twitters and some other stuff that we don't use but yeah, yeah everybody's got that I'm waiting for Twitter to deactivate. pop off again but it's not gonna it's not popping off yet it won't deactivate yet. yeah <laughs> well it's been good man I really appreciate you coming yeah, in taking the time for sure and um, I just for for, um, for all you're doing in the community man it's just it's 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 awesome the, the shop is, is is a it's the epicenter for us here the, or the, for what's happening with the for the kids and I just encourage people to part of the part of the, the podcast was to, to network and put people together and just small business and you know it's obviously you said it's watered down a little bit but people can shop big and shop online but the whole point of this is that I really want people to um, support local business and to um, just support our community so I appreciate what you're doing too yeah man thanks for coming in right on It is really fun to connect on this podcasting platform. Remember, these are our stories from our community. So please, if you have a story that you would like to share, or if you know of a special Monrovian who you think would be an awesome guest for this podcast, please contact us by emailing us at bcingcompany at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bcingco for stories, podcast updates, and more inspirational storytelling content. Peace to you, friends. We'll see you next week.